Welcome, everybody. How are we all doing today? Appreciate you being here. All right, we're going to continue in today in our prayer series. Uh, This past week, we finished up working through the Lord's Prayer, and we ended on the note, Lord, deliver us from evil, right? So deliver us from evil. Before we dive into what we're learning about today, I want to make one quick point about what we learned last week. As we read through the Lord's Prayer, all of the things that we are called to pray and ask for in the Lord's Prayer, are they things that God grants freely? Are they things that we can have assurance he'll do? So, for example, if we say, Lord, glorify your name, do we have assurance that he's going to glorify his name? Sweet. If we pray, Lord... May your will be done. Do we know that his will will be done? If we pray, Lord, will your kingdom come? Do we know that his kingdom is coming? Right? As we work through the Lord's Prayer, we learn that the things that we're praying within it, if we're praying them in the way that he meant for us to, they'll happen. There's no question. The final one, deliver us from evil. If that is our earnest prayer, is it assured? Is it something he's going to do? Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right? We're going to dive into that in just a second. Let's start with this. Who prays for you? We've talked about how Jesus prayed. We talked about how Jesus called for us to pray. Now we're going to touch on something else real quick. Who prays for you? We'll get there. Hmm, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Right. We're going to start out this way real quick. We're going to start with some people that I know. I remember years ago, whenever I was working through starting the first church plan I was a part of, meeting with one of my friends from an old earlier church, and we would sit and come together, just he and I, and we would pray heavily for our city. He was at the established church that was sending me. I was in the sending church, actually at times in this very building praying that Jesus would do what he wants to do in Canton, that his will would be done, that he would use each of us to do his will. And I remember heavily just how wonderful it was to hear a man of God pray heavily for Christ's will to be done through me. I just remember it, right? It kicks, it catches in the back of my head. I remember uh, whenever I was sent out from other churches to go forth and plant And I remember having the whole congregations gathered around and praying and sending, right? I remember the first time Christy ever prayed for me. Whenever we were sitting in a circle, actually, right in this building, right over there. And we were praying for the church itself. One of the things we were praying for the church's leadership, and it was the second week she had been here. And she prayed for me and the other pastor. And I remember hearing her voice as she was praying for me and hearing her earnestness. And that will stick with me forever, right? I remember the first time one of my friends, whenever they saw, uh, just a couple weeks ago, this particular friend saw that I was having a really, really rough week and getting ready to preach, and they pulled me to the back and threw their arm around me and prayed for me. Who's praying for you? People-wise. Do you remember a time whenever a friend, a family member, a loved one, or a stranger just looked at you and said, I'm going to pray for you? And do you remember how honestly good it felt to know that someone else was pouring out to Jesus on your behalf or to God the Father on your behalf, right? I remember these times, and they're some of the most powerful times in my life. But 
I say that to invoke a feeling in you so that you can realize this. There is someone who prays for me every day who is far more prayerful and godly and powerful than any of my good friends from old churches, than any congregation could be, than any sending church could be, than my wife could be, than any of my friends could be, than any of you can be. There is someone who prays for me literally every day, who intercedes on my behalf with the Father. And it's wonderful. Let's read. We're going to start in Romans 8, 31 through 39. We've got a couple pieces of scripture to run through today, and they're all going to be uh, a little bit extended, but you'll see where I'm going with this, okay? What then shall we say in response to these things? He had just walked through how we're called to move through. Uh, Paul just walked through how we're supposed to, to move through uh, both times of hardship and things of that nature. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who prays for you? Jesus does. Every day. Every moment of every day. He is interceding for you. We talked about that concept. If we pray for deliverance, we can have assurance that we are delivered, right? If we earnestly are asking for God's deliverance, we can have assurance that we are delivered. Why can we have that assurance? Because every moment of every day, Christ Jesus is sitting at the hand of God the Father and interceding on your behalf. If you don't know what interceding means, it means to literally come between someone on behalf of another person. So if Jeremy is like super mad at... I don't know, Anna, my daughter, not his Anna, but my daughter, the four-year-old one. I was trying to go with someone that was not in your family, and then I said, Anna, and you're also Anna, and it just super didn't work. It just did not work. If Jeremy is extremely mad at uh, uh, Micah, let's go with Micah, and they are getting ready to have an argument because Micah wronged Jeremy, me interceding on behalf of Micah is me standing in front of Micah saying, hey, Jeremy, hold off, hold off, let's have a conversation, Right? Consider this way. Uh, Assume you are at a store, and you are hungry, and you walk up to the display of candy bars, and they are big and delicious, and you grab one, start eating it, and walk out of the store. You've probably done something wrong, right? Not the best thing in the world. You have wronged the person who owns that store and the person who is standing in the cashier line just looking at you like, what is that person doing? What What are they doing? Someone could intercede during this process, be standing at the cashier saying, you know what, that person over there, they're going to take some stuff. It's okay, I'm going to pay for it. Whatever they take, I'll pay for it. They grab a Mounds bar, I'll pay for it. Why they get a Mounds bar, I don't know. It doesn't even have almonds. It's ridiculous. It's a horrible candy bar, but I will pay for it, right? Oh, they're going for the potato chips? Okay, I'm covering those too. They're grabbing a hot dog? I got that too. Slushy? Sure. It's only $1.50. I got it, all right? 
that person intercedes and pays and covers between what's between you and that other party, right? Whenever it says that Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us, that means that he is daily, moment by moment, communicating with the Father and stating that, you know what? While this person, in the way they act or behave, may have enmity with you, because, Father, you are perfect and holy and good, and there is nothing in you that is not good, and I, being a person, am not holy and good, and there's not just good in me. As a matter of fact, a lot of me is kind of crappy. Because of that, there's enmity between me and God. There's distance. There's contention. There's conflict between me and God. Not that God is causing that conflict. I am through my own imperfection. But conflict exists. Jesus stands between us and the Father and says, I covered that. I have paid for it. Whenever it says, who then is the one who condemns, and it says no one, that's because Jesus is the one who is able to bring condemnation on someone. He is the one who will eventually judge the world. If he is interceding on your behalf, no one condemns you. Now please note, this is not a free license to do whatever you want. The person standing at the counter could also walk over and be like, Mounds Bar, no. Knock it out. You go with Almond Joy or you go with nothing. Right? They can point you to a better direction and call for you to change your behavior. But they're still interceding on your behalf. Even that would be interceding on my behalf, keeping me from tasting horrible, chalky grossness that is a Mounds Bar. I don't know why, but I watched someone eat a Mounds Bar this past week, and it has been bothering me ever since. If you can't tell, I have not been doing well with this. It was a rough week, and that just capped it off. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? And then he walks through this giant list of things that we often think can get between us and God. Troubles, contentions, hardships. Demons, the rulers of the world. Life and death. We talk through this giant list of things that we sometimes think can get between us and God. And the answer is, nope, none of those things can get between us and God because we have someone who is constantly between us and God on our our own behalf. He justifies us. He gives us right position before the Father. And he allows us to grow in him. He enables us to be his. Who intercedes for us? Jesus does. Guys, whenever I say, man, I really liked it the first time I ever heard Christy pray for me. It was wonderful to hear someone godly and loving pray for me. Because I know that the Father heard her prayer. And it was wonderful and beautiful to see. That is what Jesus does for me every moment of every day. And he loves me far more than Christy ever could. And he does it for you. And for you. And for you. Whenever I was talking about all the cool people who pray for me, you might have been thinking to yourself, man, I don't have anyone that close. I don't remember the last time someone prayed for me like that. No, you do. You have him. Please note as well, if you would like someone to pray for you like that, let me know. I would love to pray for you. (sighs) Jesus does. But not just Jesus. Not just Jesus. We're going to talk real quickly about one of the... Oh, no, wait. We're going to continue on with Jesus. 
it might be difficult for you to imagine Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God interceding on your behalf and praying for you. But what if I told you at one point in Scripture, you can literally see a time and hear the words Jesus prayed for you? We're going to start in John 17. We're going to start in verse 9. This is in the middle of what's called the priestly prayer. The prayer that Jesus is praying as he is getting ready for himself to be crucified. And he prays first for God's will to be done because he walks through his own outline. Father, we know that you will glorify yourself. Glorify yourself now. May you be glorified through me and the sacrifice I'm going to make. He asks for God to be glorified, right? And then he prays for his disciples. And that's what we're reading next. I pray for them. These are the disciples. And he says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and, you ha- and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be as one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so scripture would be fulfilled." I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth." As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now note, yes, talking about the disciples here. And so you may be reading this like, all right. So that's what he prayed for, the eleven at least. Because he says, I pray this for these, save the one who is set aside for destruction. That's Judas, in case you're wondering. But still, I want you to hear some of the words he prayed for his disciples, specifically these two sets. Uh, Nope, nope. Let me jump one quick. Boom. That one. There we are. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. So if we're called to pray, Lord, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, please know this. Jesus also prayed for his disciples. Lord, I pray not that you would remove them from the world or from the pain or the hardship or whatnot that's here, but that you would protect them from Satan, from the evil one. May they have deliverance from him. Please know this as well. I'm going to throw this out here. At one point in the book of John, Jesus is praying... And his words out loud to his father are, Lord, I pray that you would hear these words of mine. And I say this not because I have any question that you hear me, but because I'm praying it on these people's behalf. I know you hear what I say, and I know I'll pray whatever you want me to pray, and I know that your will will be done, whatever. So Jesus, in the book of John, at one point, when he's raising Lazarus, literally says, I'm only saying these words out loud for the benefit of the people who are hearing them. (laughs) Because you already know what's going to happen. If that was his prayer then... Why is he praying this long prayer now? It's for the benefit of those who are going to hear it. He already knows God the Father is going to do these things. He has full assurance of it. This is not Jesus asking for something to happen and God the Father saying like, nah, not right now. I don't really want to do that one. This will come to pass. Jesus knows he is leaving. He knows his disciples are going to stay in the world and he prays not for them to be removed from the world but that they would be delivered from the evil within it both the personified evil Satan and evil in general. 
Same deal with the word that we talked about in the Lord's Prayer. This can mean evil or the evil one, right? They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So please know this. Jesus prayed for his disciples to be protected from evil and for them to be sanctified. And again, you may be asking, what does this have to do with me? I don't care how he prayed for his disciples. Let's step on real quick. If we move further in this, in John 17, 20 through 26, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that now? Quick thought. What are the words of the apostles? Who are the followers of the apostles? That's literally every Christian who came. Jesus taught his 12, and he taught the about 120 who surrounded him, and at times the 3,000 who surrounded him, right? He gave them his words. He proclaimed them to them and handed them off to his disciples because he was leaving and he needed them to continue spreading his message. And these disciples continued to spread his message throughout the world. And many heard and believed because of them. And then these disciples and some of their disciples began to write out the words that Jesus had said, including this prayer. And they put these words to paper. And these words carried down. I'm sorry, they put these words to vellum, dried animal skins. My apologies. They put these words paper and they carried them on further and the words that Christ gave his disciples to give carried down through generations both orally through the way the disciples spoke to each other and then literally on paper as we carry the Bible forward whenever he's praying for those who will believe in me through the message of the disciples through the message of the apostles that is you If you are his follower, Jesus prayed for you. And he prayed the same things he prayed for his disciples. That you would be protected from the evil one. That you would be sanctified in truth. That means made holy. And that you would be one with each other and with him. Let's continue this section on real quick. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. In them, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Guys, Jesus prayed for you that you may be one, unified on his behalf. Not just the people of City Church, guys, but followers of Christ the world over would be unified so that Christ may be glorified, so that the Father may be glorified. And what Jesus prays happens. 
I will throw out an eventually on this. We notice there are some fragments that are occurring within the church in different places. We know that at times there is enmity between me and my brother, but we know that what he began, he will bring to fruition. It's going to happen, guys. And then as he said, I want them to see me in glory. I want them to come to me. You will be with Christ. It's going to happen. It's inevitable Jesus asked for it. (laughs) What he asked for happens. Who prays for you? Jesus does, right? But also, who prays for you? The Holy Spirit does. Check this one out. One of the most contested Bible verses in Scripture that is oftentimes used in different ways, but the plain meaning is the one we're going to touch on today. Jesus is talking about, or I'm sorry, Paul is talking about how creation uh, calls out to God's righteousness and proclaims how good he is while proclaiming the brokenness of its nature, right? And how while we can't fully understand what creation says while this is occurring, we can see from the way the world works that he is true and he exists and it proclaims his word to us. General revelation is what this is called. Whenever we see in the world that there has to be something more than life itself, right? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Oftentimes, this is taken specifically for the concept of speaking in tongues, but the plain meaning isn't touching on that. Does the Bible talk about tongues? Absolutely. In many places. Is this one of them? No. This is saying whenever we do not know what we ought to be praying for, the Spirit prays for us. And whenever it says wordless groans, the actual Greek on it is basically groaning and moaning that is completely unutterable. And so whenever we don't have the ability to say what we want to say, the Spirit can proclaim completely things that we couldn't even ever possibly say. Words that are completely unspeakable. He intercedes for. He intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So if you are ever sitting there saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I don't know what's going on in my life, where you want me to go, who I'm supposed to be, what's supposed to be happening. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing tomorrow. Who here has ever been sitting like that before saying, I want to pray for your will to be done, but I have absolutely no idea what that looks like? You ever felt that way? I have felt that way pretty often, actually. Honestly, I feel that way kind of right now, just in general, right? When you don't know what to pray for, it's cool. Because the Holy Spirit intercedes on behalf of God's people and intercedes perfectly on behalf of God's people because the Spirit wholly knows your mind, but also wholly knows the will of God. And so he knows how perfectly to pray for what your request is, whatever that is, and how that meshes with God's will. This actually is one of the things that frees me up to pray the most whenever I am praying. Because I have assurance that if I'm praying something stupid, God himself, the Holy Spirit himself, prays for me and says, do the not stupid thing. (laughs) He does. 
yeah, he's asking for something outside of your will. Don't do that thing. Do what he needs. The Holy Spirit intercedes on my behalf. Christ intercedes on my behalf. And he intercedes on your behalf too. If you're a follower of his. Guys, prayer is important in our lives, but prayer is bigger than us. Prayer is communicating with God the Father in any way, shape, or form, right? And prayer is an act of worship, an act of lifting up or glorifying God, right? Prayer is a way for us to recognize that we honestly matter less than what he wants to do in the world. That I can decrease and he must increase. That on the scope of worldwide events, while I am important to God, he may not need to use me, right? Prayer is a way to humble ourselves before him, to beseech him to do what he is doing for his good purpose and his good name. And it is a way for us to then ask for us to rely on him in everything, right? But we know we're not perfect, and we know we're going to do it wrong, and we know we're going to mess up, and we're going to ask for stupid things, and we're going to ask for wonderful things that just aren't inside of his will. And we're going to ask for what we think is the most intelligent thing ever, and it may not be what he chooses to do. But we can know that in our justification, the way in which we stand before God the Father, he is perfectly interceding on our behalf. He is perfectly praying for us. When we ask for God to deliver us from evil... This is why we can rest in assurance that he is going to do that. Because our deliverance is not based on our own goodness, and our deliverance is not based on our ability to follow him perfectly. Our deliverance is based on Jesus' perfection. I am saved not because I am good enough to be saved. I am saved because Christ is good enough to save me. He is holy enough to rescue me. He is perfect enough to cover up my imperfection. And he offered himself for me. He literally stood between you and the consequences of death, the consequences of sin, the consequences of evil in this world. On the cross, that is what he did. That was his perfect intercession. He interceded perfectly for you. And in his resurrection, he still does it. He still intercedes perfectly for you. What are my takeaways on this? Oh, goodness, worship your Lord. This is what he's done for you. Need we more takeaways than that? Probably not. I'll give you one. What does Christian mean? Little Christ. It was actually originally a term that was meant to be derogatory. Look at all these little Jesuses running about. As you think there is disciples trying to act like him. This is weird. And we own that derogatory term now, right? It's ours. It sort of points out who we actually are. We are called to be like Christ in the world by whatever means possible. Now, please note, 
I'm not good enough to save other people. No. But I can seek justice the way he seeks justice. I can proclaim goodness the way he proclaims goodness. I can proclaim the kingdom of God the way he proclaims it. I can intercede on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Just like he intercedes for me. Now, I'm going to be honest. Whenever I intercede, am I doing the same thing Jesus did? No. He intercedes perfectly. I'm just sort of adding my voice to his. Jesus and the Spirit are saying, Lord, do your will on this person. And I can say the same thing. Lord, do your will on that person. Yeah. I'm just adding to the cacophony, yes. But I'm being like him. You can pray for your brothers and sisters. You can pray that the world will not be overcome by evil. You can pray that Christ will return and will set about righting everything that is wrong. You can pray that his kingdom will come. You can pray that his name will be glorified. And you can bear the burdens of your brothers and sisters. Just like you're called to. That's probably my best takeaway. Why should you be praying for other people? Because you're supposed to be like Jesus and he prays for everyone else. Why are you supposed to love other people? Because Jesus does. If you ever wonder why followers of Christ call for you to do things, that's why we're supposed to be like Jesus, and this is what he does. Side note, really simple way to tell if someone's just making up a random application, by the way, in their sermons. If you're ever reading someone else's sermon or hearing someone else's sermon, and their application is something kind of weird and ridiculous, something Jesus would never do, that's why... My call for you and my application is for you to provide a $400 check so that I can get my Pastor Chris Jet. Because we know that that Pastor Chris Jet will enable me to be able to be the man God wants me to be. And you guys want to be part of that plan, right? Right? Please know, complete satire. You don't want to trust me with a jet. (laughs) I don't know what I would do with it, but it would probably not be anything good. Right? I'm pretty sure I never saw Jesus walking around saying, I'm going to help someone else get their good transportation costs. Because, you know, Jesus can do that whole Philip thing and just pick someone else up and put them somewhere else if he wants to. He don't need a jet to get people places. If you're wondering what your applications are supposed to be, if that person is actually listening to Jesus or proclaiming Jesus, you can always look at them and say, hey, is the thing they're telling you to do something that Jesus would do? Basically, goodness, I'm sorry, my tired application has become what would Jesus do? I'm sorry. But hey, we know Jesus prays, we know he intercedes. What did he do? What should you do? Be prayerful, guys. Be prayerful. On that note, we're going to spend a little bit of time being prayerful. We're going to spend a few moments in silent prayer. And then we're going to spend a moment in corporate prayer. And then we're going to partake in communion together that timeless symbol that demonstrates the unity of all Christians that shows what Christ is doing in the world. Let's take a moment.
God, you are good. Father, we ask for your name to be made great throughout this world. We ask for your kingdom and for your will. We don't want ours, we want yours. Lord, we pray for what we need to do your will, for nothing more and nothing less. Give us exactly what we need to do your will. Lord, forgive us whenever we fail. Overcome our failure. And we thank you for the fact that we know you forgive. We praise you for it. And Lord, give us the strength to forgive like you do. May we be like you. Lord, keep us from temptation, from testing, from trial. Father, whenever it comes, may it be joy and may it be a blessing. But Lord God, may you withhold it from us if possible. Lord, deliver us. And we thank you now for your deliverance. We know you have done so. We thank you for your intercession, which allows us to be delivered, Lord. And we praise you for that. We thank you for justifying us before God the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for justifying us before God the Father. And thank you, Jesus, for interceding on our behalf. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for interceding on our behalf. Lord God, you are good. May you be glorified. It's in your name we pray. Amen.